Attempt to record this weekend. So sometimes um, when you vacation, you got to vacation hard, and I I don't think you should that's apologize right. for that. I had a lovely a lovely two days in San Francisco, um, but now I'm back and uh, I've finally been able to watch everything, and I'm ready to talk about it. So um, should we get into the Top Chef finale? Because that's the thing I watched most recently. Well, it's um, not the finale. Not the finale. It's the it's the uh, Hent Ultimate episode. It's the first, so, the first yes. episode in Paris. First Paris, though. First yeah. tango in Paris, if you will. Um, <laughs> do, should we talk about the news first, though? I guess we should. Uh, the finale um, is going to be the last Padma episode of Top Chef. So uh, they happened to mention, I guess, that, uh, that this episode, this week's episode, was the 300th episode yep. ever. On the show, three hundred one will be Pada's last. Yeah, is it just? I mean, who has? Is it just Tom? Now, then. Well, Gail was Gail there the first at the very beginning. I think Gail. I think Gail was there from the beginning. Okay, I think so. I mean, she's. I feel like she's taking a season or two off. Yeah. Well, um, she was pregnant because there was fake Gail. Yeah. We talked about fake Gail, and yeah. nobody likes fake Gail. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't, I cannot remember if, if Gail was also there at the very beginning. I just, um, I mean, look, it's, uh, you know, no, it I was, it's hard to demand anyone do, uh, you know, more than 20 seasons of a television show, right? You know what? She actually only did 19. So it's Padma who wasn't oh. there in the first season. Uh, the first season was hosted by someone named Katie Lee Joel. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, don't remember that at all. No, she's, neither do I. She is the... Um, so actually, Tom and Gail... Oh, man, the, now I've already, I've already forgotten the name. Who was the name of the guy that was uh, hosting with Seacrest on the first season of American Idol, right? That was like... Oh, man, remember there no were two idea. hosts the first year? That's a great point. You're, you're making a great yeah, point, even though I cannot guy. remember that man's name. In fact, I think that Sugar makes Man the point better, like right? I mean, that is yeah. the point, that I have no idea what that guy's name is. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Padma has been there since season two, and Gail and Tom are the only original cast members so to speak but man it i mean i'm not going to sit here and tell you i won't still watch top chef but i am going to sit here and tell you that like without seeing a single padma free episode of top chef i can tell you that like 
Top Chef has moved from my must-watch to my you're-on-notice list just by losing her. Oh, wow. Wow, that's strong. That's strong. I mean, I, I, the polls of the show are so good. And we have watched, certainly watched some Top Chef spinoffs with, without Padma. How much of them, um, How much of them have we watched? <laughs> not as much. They're well, not that's as what enjoyable. I'm yeah, and I do think it is... She's so uniquely perfect for this show. You know what I mean? Um, She is uniquely perfect. That's exactly why. I'm not saying, like, I'm not going to watch it. I'm saying, like, I'm going to watch it with an eye towards, do I still need to be watching this? You know? Yeah. And if it's not, I I understand that everything about the show other than the host will likely be almost exactly the same. But that host does a lot of work. And it, I do Does. not think it's going to be easy to replace her. And honestly, she makes a lot of the, uh, um, you know, the, we joke about it all the time. A lot of the gaudy the product, the product placement. Yes, <laughs> just go down easier. You yes, know? And <laughs> like I, I'm saying, so, that it's that it's it's like managing your reactions and attitudes towards the chefs. It is speaking with an air of legitimacy and authority about food like Padma. It's not just that she's shockingly beautiful and has an incredible palate. It's that she's built up this credibility starting in 2007. So that's tough. Um, And I, if I were them, you know, I don't know if she wants the job, but I would think long and hard about trying to get Gail to do it. First of all, um, and if they have to bring in someone from the outside, I wonder if they don't consider an alumnus. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a really good pool of alumnus to choose from. I, you know, I think of somebody like Melissa King. Yeah, um, great. Or uh, Kristen Kish, who's done a lot of sure. uh, yeah. other television since. Uh, Richard Blaze the, the has been a Kentucky, part of, you know. What's her name? Uh, oh, uh, Kelsey. Yeah. yeah. I can see that, um, you know, Gregory, there's definitely some people I think who, you know, have come back and have been a part of the show since Brooke is another one. I think maybe, um, yes. yeah, that, that could do this, but I, I, it's just, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, Pod was a legend. She <laughs> is a legend. <laughs> hard to replace. I mean, she, hard to replace, by the so. way, like a lot <laughs> The other news, the other Padma news that I don't think we discussed, and we we probably don't want to discuss too much, just uh, to avoid sounding like creeps, but uh, also a a now a Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover model. Is she on the cover? I thought Martha Stewart was on the cover. Oh, I thought it was. I don't know, but I know she's in the issue. Yes, yes. Um, it's a good year for Padma. I mean, you know, she's off doing her own stuff, and I. Uh, hey. I was going to support that, but I'll be neither sad. Neither of us are be going very to, sad. Yeah, neither of us will begrudge that fabulous woman anything. However, um, we will both miss her. Um, but I do think this week's episode was a good example of non-Padma things that we like about the show. You know what Correct. I mean? In this terms had... of its uh, heart and spirit and love for food yes. and... Um, and cooking and its traditions and uh, ingredients. Like, you got to see all of that in this episode. This is an episode of Top Chef that I think 
you would show someone to be like, this is why I love this show. Yeah. Right? Because it's four wildly disparate but incredibly impressive chefs making incredible Michelin-level meals based around the humblest ingredient in the world on the boat of a chef so famous that everyone who has ever bought a cookbook is going to know his name. But I learned this week, and I rewound my TV because I wanted to make sure I did not miss here. Did you clock the Michelin star count on one Alain Ducasse? Um, well, there was a point where they talked about 21 stars, but I thought that was the other chefs in the room. No. That's that's on Ducasse? <laughs> 21 star. What, the, what they said, and again, I rewound to make sure, was 21 star chef Alain Ducasse. That's insane. Uh, so yeah, um, that is, you know, absurd, absurd. And frankly, when I, what, you know, I did not, I, I don't like have a picture of Alain Ducasse in my head, right? Like I don't, I don't offhand know what he looks like. Um, so when I saw him, I was surprised how young he is. So I checked that as well. He is 66 and he has 21 Michelin stars. Yeah. That makes him, by the way, second worldwide. Uh, Joel Rubichon has 31. Wow. Well, you know, I mean, the Rubichon potato. And do you know who's third? He's going to this. <laughs> no. He's third. I mean, you know him. Everybody knows him. Probably even more Is people it, than know Alain Ducasse. I was going to guess Eric Repair. Nope. It's much uh, more surprising than that. <laughs> okay. Is it Emerald? <laughs> no, but you're getting closer. Oh. Think angrier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it um, uh, Gordon Ramsay? It is Gordon Ramsay. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yep. All right. Uh, well, you know, certain, certainly trade Buddha. Um, so, uh, that's you know, a it's not like the man can't cook. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And once again, once again, even though ultimately, and, you know, I have my thoughts about that even though ultimately he he was sort of given a you were a close second for the elimination challenge uh buddha silenced a table filled with michelin star chefs silenced them and then you just hear them like eating and i think it was tom is like well i guess we all like that (laughs) (laughs) like yeah and, and then, you know, again, Sarah won the challenge, and I'm not taking anything away from her. But the way the chefs respond to Buddha's food is just different. Yeah, although you weren't surprised when Sarah won, right? Like, they really no. liked her, too. Of know? course. 
And of course, she came out without spices. So here's the thing, right? I'm still overblown by that. Well, this is the thing about Sarah. Th this proves the point that I was trying to make last week even more dramatically. That, like, don't overthink it. Don't do the goofy stuff because the boys are doing it. Just do what you, whatever she does to develop flavor. She seems to be able to do it with very simple, humble stuff in a in an amount of time that other people simply cannot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you knew she was on something when Cass tasted the reduction. Of and course. Was good about it. Of course. <laughs> but again, like, you know, any one of us, what's incredible about a chef like Sarah, and I think what, like, has made – by the way, I, I happened to notice uh, just before I got to the skip ahead button on my DVR – the uh, Top Chef favorite competition that they, like, conduct that you can vote in. Yeah. Fan favorite. Down to her and Amar. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and, and I think what makes her charming and uh, what makes her also incredible is that anyone, pretty much everybody watching Top Chef could make a reduction. <laughs> like, it is not a difficult technique. But... What that about Sidney Lee? Are we sure Sidney Lee can make a reduction? What'd you say? I said, are we sure Sidney Lee can make a reduction? Well, I said most, and I'm not sure she's watching <laughs> Top Chef, quite frankly. Um, but, you know, like, I feel like Top Chef watchers is a reasonably high bar for people who, who at least try to cook. Um, right. Anyway, if you've ever made soup, right? Like, they're, like, making a reduction is not difficult, per se, but to consistently impress people who've tasted every food in the world with these simple things is really wildly impressive in its own yeah. way every bit as impressive as the stuff that you know the buddhas or toms of the world are doing um just also as different as possible right yeah um, and i think I think to a degree as well, like that difference stands out when the other guy who's killing it every week is Buddha, right? Like you don't want to be Tom when Buddha's there, if you catch my drift. You want to be Sarah. Yeah. You well, want I mean, to differentiate you yourself. That running out of time and not plating three or four more elements might have been the difference between Gabri uh, uh, being in the final and going home. Yeah. You know, 100%. just the extra, like, the, he had a lot of things going on already in that dish, and maybe a little simplicity um, probably saved him in the end, would be my guess. I don't think you're wrong, and I think, hopefully, he'll, he, he can learn a lesson, finally, and, and do that by choice and not by running out of time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that uh, elimination, I, like I think, was it, for the judges honestly one of the more emotional ones I'd seen. Like you could tell, like they just didn't want to really say anybody's name. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yep. You know, it was uh, that was a tough one. It was a tough one to watch. Um, and you know, Ali. Uh, you know, clearly deserved to be in that group. Could have easily been in the final three. 
could have easily won the thing. You know what I mean? So yeah, agreed. Um, um, I I gotta say, I love Gabri, but bro, you gotta you gotta start not overdoing it every time. Like you've got <laughs> to. I mean, it, honestly, it's the same thing with Suni Lee. Like, granted, she was terrible. A- any of the other Olympian and Paralympian partners would have been a better option. However, everyone's plan should have been to keep it simple. And, yeah. you know, the the Olympian Olympic chefs who got it right were, generally speaking, the ones who had the easiest jobs. Well, it's a tough draw for Gabby because he got two Minnesota Olympians there. And, you know, he's trying to cook Mexican food. So... <laughs> That is tough. He needs some bad options. <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah. And I also think it was pretty clear that, like, you know, he has the biggest language barrier there. And also that was hurting yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, I think it even hurt Ali a little bit. Um, a little bit, but, but he was smart enough to make a soup. Right. <laughs> you know, so like uh, he won instead of being last because yep. he was like, let's put it all in a blender <laughs> and let's and also let's use measuring spoons. He made like, right, so exactly right. <laughs> those were the differences. So like he was yep. he made those two smart decisions and it won him the challenge. Um and and it's a bummer he had to go home, man, because, you know, he did. They, ultimately, they chose Gabri's flavors over Ali's attempt to do to follow the brief. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, one of the, you know, one of the chefs called his meal boring. And that's, that's yeah, tough. Was, I, I wrote that down. I, I, I felt like it was over for him at that point. Yeah, yeah, so, so because um, the thing about Gabri is he forgot like three things, or didn't get to three things, and then literally a three-star Michelin chef was like offering him a job on the spot just for the flavor of his <laughs> broth. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, uh, that's that's a tough one. And they were like, I don't know if there was quite enough mushroom. And they didn't show this, but at some point, somebody was like, listen, guys, who gives a fuck about the mushroom? That was too good to eliminate him. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So, and look, I mean, Gabri in the final, I think, brings a little bit more. It's it's a little bit more interesting because he's such a wild card. You know? Yes. And he's also an entertaining character. But honestly, they yeah. both are. There would have been... There's no way any, like, no elimination this week would have been satisfying. No. No. There was no a moment way. where I thought Padma was going to be like, we've decided not to eliminate anyone. You're all in the final. I think they did that once. They did. I think there was, yeah. Um, and it seemed like you're right that they could have been headed that way again. Yeah. It. Uh, this was... A really excellent episode, and and by the way, every single piece of cookery took place within like a hundred yards of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, <laughs> pretty cool stuff. 
And like, yeah. I can't even imagine, like, you know, for, and Gabri's been talking about it for weeks. Like, you've never been to Paris and all of a sudden you are cooking in the literal shadow of the Eiffel Tower twice. Yeah. And I didn't realize he, I mean, he seems to have studied quite a bit of French cooking. So, um, yeah. You know, clearly he, he has yes. a reverence for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He talked to, he said, I believe he said Alain Ducasse changed his life. Yeah. Like yeah. and right, honestly, and his mom said that he that he you know when he was like five he was like I'm gonna own a restaurant in France yeah, yeah so, exactly um, yeah it's pretty crazy pretty and crazy. honestly that, Buddha, uh, that phone call was really uh, a tearjerker as well oh I thought he was in big trouble when when they had that phone call <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh no this is too yeah. much sappy stuff about Gabri he might be out of here. <laughs> <laughs> they've been they've been pretty good about uh i've noticed this year about not killing off the person with the heartwarming phone call you're right i've been worried about a couple people so that's true it's almost um, that that has almost like flipped this season for uh, somehow yeah and like they realized that was a tell at some point <laughs> yeah maybe that's what it is yeah <laughs> so um so yeah i mean look i can't wait for the finale uh it sounds like gabby's gonna burn something else <laughs> for what we've seen um and yet he may win anyway so i don't know yeah um, well first of all he may win anyway but also like i'm not sure that i saw the same thing in the scenes from next week and i felt like it might have been a setup like a (laughs) yeah so we'll see yeah we'll see um but uh top top notch episode it's been a really great season um I would bet money that they do a World All-Stars format again uh, Yeah, it's really rich. I, I agree, but I would imagine it might be a few seasons before they get back to it. Oh, sure, sure. You know, I would, I, we'd, I'd be very surprised if we weren't back in America for, uh, for the next season or whatever. But, I mean, I, I do have to say, like, if you are – if you're at a level where you can – hold an elimination challenge on Alain Ducasse's boat restaurant and he stops by to like toast you you obviously have a ton of respect in, in the world of chefs and cooking you know oh yeah I mean like, I think that they, like most legendary chefs have been on the show at some point in the 20 seasons that it's been on you know right they, exactly they've gotten a lot of heavy hitters yeah point, so. and that that like that kind of clout uh, goes a long way, so who knows? Yeah, yeah, no, because they're not a lot of people are not people that you would necessarily expect to see on the Bravo Network in any other. Well, I mean that format, includes so. like Tom Calicchio, for God's sakes, you know. Yeah, I did yeah, see sure. him on a Watch What Happens Live, and I couldn't stop watching. It was incredible. He's exactly <laughs> how you'd hope he would be. Oh yeah, Thomas Tom. Thomas Tom. Have you ever eaten his food, by the way? No. I I've never eaten anyone's food. I've been broke my whole life. Oh man. I mean my parents have taken me to some nice restaurants at times in my life, but like as an adult, um I've had very few extremely fine meals. But I've had a couple of them here in Oakland and uh San Francisco that are spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. But no, like, this is yeah, you know. I don't think I've talked about on the podcast moving back to Chicago, but I mean it's happening in less than two weeks. So, 
Um, here we are. Uh, no, wait, just over two weeks. Two weeks from tomorrow. Jesus. So much to do, Derek. Uh, yeah. Save some money in various ways. Maybe I'll have more fine dining experiences. Right. Well, there's certainly a few, maybe a few chefs to try in Chicago. Well, I mean, um, honestly, what we're going to have to do is like, you know, now that we're now that we're going to be closer, you come to Chicago. We'll we'll go have a two hundred dollar dinner and eat some uh, ridiculous food and then record a podcast. <laughs> yes, maybe while we eat, that'll be great. Um. <laughs> yeah, that, that that like a three Michelin star restaurant loves loves a couple of dudes taping a pod. So I think that's right, a great idea. Right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I bet I bet um, you got some good like portable mic rigs too at the at the station. So just bring one of those. Yeah, we'll bring one of those, or we'll just do it on headphones. It'll be fun. Um, all right, so we uh, should we move on to succession? You got any any, any more uh, top chat thoughts? Uh no, I think it'll be great. Sarah Buda Gabri is going to be a a blast of a final. I don't think you could. Like on a two-dimensional graph, I feel like these are th- three points as far from each other as could be in terms of cooking style and flavors and everything. So I think that's super cool. Uh, Paris is obviously an incredible setting. I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, as for succession, uh, like, uh, you couldn't even get odds in Vegas to me. I think that these guys were going to land the plane. You know what I mean? Like, it's such an assured show that you knew they'd have some idea of where they were going. But yeah, man, it was great to watch it all play out, you know? Yep. Um, I don't know about you, but it's never been about who was going to um, succeed, you know? Um, do you mean that? On this show? How do you mean? I mean that in the, in, in the literal sense of the title word. You okay. know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's not about who was going to win, you know what I mean? Well, because um, uh, no I, one really wins. Right. But I but. Like, I think there are endpoints in terms of who might have won that would that I would have found less than. Perfect. And I thought this one was pretty perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, the people who win are people like Carl and Frank and Jerry. Right? Like, those are the people who ultimately win. I mean, Tom, um, right? Tom, well, I don't... I, to me, I don't think you can say that Tom won. Like, well, what does Tom want? He wanted the opportunity to be a, a stooge and a paid sponge, basically. Um, which, don't get me wrong, is what he wants. Uh, you know? Um, That's what he wants. And also Shiv. And his kid. And also, like, the money. And the yeah, and the, the but, place in that society, like I think Tom has got Tom has virtually everything he's ever wanted. Now, will that work out for him? Who knows? It, it, yeah, see, that's I think it's almost guaranteed not to. Like, it's all of okay. that stuff is like on the surface is fine, and yet, and yet, the second that you dip beneath the, you know, you, you go into the water, you can see that it's all problematic for him. I mean, right? I agree with you, but I would just say I think there are plenty of dudes in exactly that position who are happy as pigs and shit um i guess also realistically how long would he be the ceo of ATA? right like yeah but i you know as disposable to matson as right as anyone can be yeah but he's disposable his way right to the top 
Um, yeah, sure. So we'll see how it goes, or we won't. But my, but but he, he I, I will say he has achieved his goals, whether he's a winner or not, TBD. Um, but, yeah, all the other principals are essentially <laughs> fucking losers. And uh, as their father told them, not serious people. Um, so they end up exactly where they should. Yeah. My, I well, it, right. that part that part was proven out to be true. You know yes. What I mean? Correct. Um, and I and I I wanted to ask you, did you think Kendall was going to dive into the river? And then did you read the story about Mark Strong? No. <laughs> he like Jeremy Strong. That, I'm sorry. Yes, Mark Strong's the other actor. Um, sorry. Yeah. He was like uh, he actually tried to dive into the river. Oh yeah. <laughs> <They found him? laughs> yeah, I think like That's security amazing. grabbed him or something. I have to look it up now. But but I saw but after I was like I totally thought he was gonna jump in the river, I should yeah. Uh Variety magazine. Six uh, Jeremy Strong spontaneously tried to jump into the river while filming that scene. And like some crew stopped him? Yeah. Um uh, I'm I'm scrolling. Give me one second here. In a recent interview Following the finale, he revealed he attempted to jump into the river as Kendall during one take of filming the show's final moment. <laughs> Quote, to me, what happened at the board vote is an extinction level event for this character. There's no coming back from that. Uh, and he goes on to say, I got up from that bench and went as fast as I could over the barrier and onto the pilings. And the actor playing Colin raced over. Wow. Oh, see, you know what? I mean, like. I'm almost surprised they didn't use that because that would have been true to both of those characters, right? So, um, agreed. But but uh, and Kendall, for whatever reason, did have this weird proclivity for like trying to cleanse himself in these bodies of water, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it happened a couple different times on the show. In the in so. just in these last few episodes, he uh, he like cleansed himself in various waters multiple times. Yes. Also killed a guy in a body of water too. We're at it. It never happened. It never happened. <laughs> that was such a like. Uh, it, that was such a great scene, and you know, it so betrayed his just sheer desperation for this thing that you don't yeah. actually even know that he really wants. That he even describes as terrible and awful, right? Um, but like, it's so core to his identity. That, you know, he can't be truthful about that, but he kind of can't be truthful about what he would be without this thing. Yes. Um, well, and, and all you know. of they all feel that to a degree. Right. Until the point where Shiv says no. And I think that to me, the biggest lingering question is what actually led to Shiv making the decision to Shiv her brother, Shiv the Shiv. I mean, I think, I think what she says, I love you, but I can't stomach you. Yeah, and 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 she also says, and I kind of just take her at her word, strangely enough. What she also says is, I don't think you would be good at this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you could, you know, I mean, election night. Pretty stark example. It could go either um, way, though, right? How disastrous they could be. You know what I mean? But it could go either way. 
Because we also have the example of Kendall, like, stepping out on stage and everyone thinking he's going to piss himself and, like, lighting the world on fire. So, you know, I think it's a legitimate question whether he'd be any good at running the company, one that will never be answered. But whether Shiv believes it or not, to me, is the interesting question. Does she? Because yeah. I think part of me wants to say she just really is sick of these fucking guys and doesn't think it would go great and would rather just have the money than like let them run it into the ground. I think, and I think, right, I think there's some truth to that. Um, so in and, a way, she does that at the cost of becoming her mother. Right. <laughs> uh, yet another scary thing. I, you know, it's it, it, it's interesting to me. It's like you know, people who don't like this show or or never bought into this show. Right. The thing that you always hear is, well, they're awful people, and I don't want to watch a show about awful people, or I want to root for awful people. And I I, I don't I don't think that the show ever ask you to root for them, right? Like, no. it's more about just sort of humanizing them and showing you, like, these are people, you know, they say awful things, they do awful things. You know, you get a chance to see some of the reasons why they say and do those awful things. They're not excuses, right? When you hear that story about Logan and his parents blaming him for uh, giving their other daughter polio... Like, it doesn't, you're not like, oh, well, I guess Logan was a good guy at the end of it. You just sort of understand a little bit more about Logan, right? You know? I feel like this show is very careful in both directions to say nothing other than human beings are extremely complicated. Yeah. Like, these are things that, that these people do these things. They have done these things, but also they're complicated. That's all. They don't excuse the things ever. And, and, and I think maybe the ability to walk that line is a more artful and difficult thing than is immediately apparent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when you just look at the Tom and Chip marriage, with, at which there is some genuine affection in there, but it's yeah. just buried beneath all these layers of plotting and conniving and... Um, uh, questions, you know, suspicion about the motives of the, of the other partner and um, and emotional violence. <laughs> and yeah, and just pure emotional violence. <laughs> but man, but man, is the emotional violence just spectacularly done? Like it is. Wow, this is the John Wick of emotional violence. This it really is. Uh, <laughs> like bringing a whole new dimension to the world of emotional violence. It's it just. Across the board, it really was an elite television show. And to sustain the sort of level of intensity and detail that they did over, what, four seasons? Um, it's pretty. It's a pretty incredible achievement. Yeah, it, you know, I mean, I am uh, deeply sad that it's over, that there are no more, and yet I... I don't know that I that would advocate them doing another season. It doesn't feel necessary, you know? I guess in my heart, maybe I hope that there is some sort of Better Call Saul, like, you know, prequel universe extension story, you know, some other, maybe some other story that you could tell in this world, you know? 
Yeah, that'd um, be fun. But even that seems a little bit fantastical. You know what I mean? Like it's just so. I mean, look, so I'd watch. Good. I'd watch a, a movie about a young Logan Roy for sure. Yeah, um, you know, uh, maybe we'll get Tom and Greg running a company. There you go. The disgusting brothers. <laughs> See how that goes. The disgusting brothers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> well, what's it that they call the the uh, the 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 CEOs, the fuckface? Uh, uh, oh man, they had a, they had a good nickname as well. Um, this show is so like, filled with incredible lines and insults that like I can't keep them in my head. But it's, yep. it's amazing. And I think like fifty percent of them are here in Colgan Adams. Well, he's he is. I mean, and that, the, his work over the last three or four episodes was pretty remarkable, too, because he had a whole breakdown. And, and I think we saw sides of Roman that hadn't really had had not needed to exist on the show previously. Uh, and he just he never stops being incredible. Yeah. Yeah. a little too early. In this season, you know, it was right, right and high around yep. episode seven. It's probably uh, it's not good because if you notice, it's like anytime uh, you know one of the three siblings had it going, uh, you know, for a few episodes, like a crash was bound to come. So, um, oh yeah, no doubt. You know, and that's their lives. That's their lives. It was. It was. I think it was always like they all of them have these flashes of competence. You know what I mean? And ability enough to make you think well maybe they could be you know what i mean well none of them are um, stupid right right but it yeah i mean i just keep coming back to what logan says to their faces you are not serious people i love you but you are not serious people and they will inevitably betray themselves as unserious given an opportunity no matter how hot a run they're on yeah yeah um, just a fascinating show, and I, uh, it's, it's hard, it's hard to think of another show to compare it to, you know what I mean? Um, I guess, I guess Mad Men to me is closest among kind of the greats, but they're very, they're very that. different shows. Um, so. the show that I think of, although it has nothing to do with it and is, is not actually similar at all, but in terms of like holding a level of intensity over multiple seasons is The Leftovers. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, but just because there are not a lot of shows that like know exact like they they arrive knowing exactly what they are, executed at the highest possible level for three, four, five seasons, and then say this is the end because this is where the end should be. Yeah, and look, I think the leftovers, well, I think at a high level throughout, didn't entirely know what it was. Right, like it. Leftovers shifted in a few major ways over the course of the, the perhaps. Uh, series, but I got so. the feeling that you always felt like it was well, like they knew where they were headed. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's another one with not very many seasons. So right. Uh, you know, maybe there's maybe there's something to that form. I think as that well. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, the only other show I'd put in that category, and it's always kind of in a category of its own, is The Wire. Um, and even that, you'll get plenty of people who will say the fifth season was a, a little bit much. Yeah, some people don't like the second season. Um, well, but I those people are just wrong. wrong. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll grant you, like, I, I really like the fifth season. I have a particular interest in journalism. Um, I'll forgive people who think the fifth season isn't quite what the first four are, but season two is j- simply underappreciated because people, like, miss the boat. Yeah, and look, the serial killer thing in season five is maybe a little over the top, and I think yeah. that that people have allowed that to to wash away some of the rest of the stuff in there that I think is really great. So, um, agreed. It's a trick of the mind, if anything else. Um, all right, uh, so we should probably talk about some new shows that we watched this week. Um, let's start with uh, Platonic. Um, which I thought was, uh, I mean, it's fun to see Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne again uh, together. Like, they definitely have a lot of chemistry. Um, and, and the two of them playing people who are, you know, have redeeming qualities, but are also kind of fuck-ups. <laughs> like, uh, it's hard to go too wrong with that. You know what I mean? I do. And... There's a part of me, and it sounds like you're having a very similar sort of experience, that, like, enjoys imagining that this is pretty much what it's like when Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne hang out, you know? Like, this is an an exaggerated version of their actual real-life relationship. Um, They seem like an odd pairing, yet they're just a real super easy chemistry between the two of them, you know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Um, it is a goofy ass show. Um, you know, it's a it's a mother of three accidentally doing ketamine uh, of a show. But I hope I didn't spoil that for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you did. Damn it! <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, but but it's. You can imagine. I, I, I feel like you can probably still uh, understand the analogy I'm making, uh, even without getting to that point. It is just, it's goofy and not focused whatsoever on the realism of these situations, but it's very funny. The chemistry is great, um, and I'm, I'm having a blast. Yeah, it's an easy good time. I, you know, I think that's... Uh... You know, Apple Apple needs a few of those. <laughs> yeah, in the lineup. Um, yeah. So, um, and it you know, uh, unlike something like Shrinking, which is certainly funny and we really enjoyed, like this is pretty much just funny. Like, yeah, technically, I guess there's some serious stuff going on in their lives or whatever, but like, this is really not focused on that. Um, it's really a, just a show about two old friends being ridiculous because there's serious stuff in their lives, you know? Yeah, like, I feel like Tricky is the kind of show that can lead you to introspection, you know what I mean? And this is not that. <laughs> like, totally. The characters might learn some lessons, I feel like, but you're you're probably just going to watch them and, and have fun with it. Yeah. And I, I, um, I actually think, ironically, since we're saying Apple TV Plus could use some shows like that, I would say almost the same of High Desert, although... Um, a little more ridiculous and instead of like incredible chemistry between the two main characters there's just the incredible presence of Patricia Arquette um, who is a delight 
Yeah, I was just thinking about um, the various Patricia Arquette projects that we've talked about over the course of this show. Amazing. Um, this podcast, you know what I mean? And, like, the range of them is wild. Um, and she's really a force of nature in the show. Like, she's um, uh, charismatic and uh, and goofy and yet a little bit sharp in terms of, like, she, you can tell she actually has some, like, real detective instincts and, like, yep. uh, something of a gift for observation. Uh her uh, chemistry with uh, Matt Damon, Matt I think, is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Matt Dillon, excuse me. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, it's, not, it's nice to see him too, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I just, it's a, it's a fun time. And I think she has pretty good chemistry with Brad Garrett as well. I um, was going to say that. And I would say also, for what it's worth, uh, this is a real classic sweet spot Matt Dillon role. Um, yeah. He is like a dirtbag criminal, but charming and kind of hapless. Um, and he's perfect for that. He's, he's done it many times at a very high level. Uh, and yes, their chemistry is delightful. He is really funny. Um, I, I laugh a ton watching this show. And Force of Nature is the perfect way to describe Patricia Arquette. And... I actually, it's funny you said that because I was looking at her her IMDb because I was like, what was she? I, I was like, I'm sure there's some, I was positive there's something we just watched that she was in, but like, I can't place it. And of course, it was Severance. Um, and then I was looking at the filmography, you know? And it's like, hold on. Just as you said, as in talking about her on this very podcast, we've watched Escape at Denimora, The Act, Severance, and High Desert. And I believe we might have talked, nah, maybe Boyhood is before our time on this podcast. But like... Yeah, I think it is. But those I parts love are... So wildly different and interesting. It's it's remarkable. And then be, again, because I happen to be looking at the filmography, it's like, oh yeah, she's in True Romance. She's Alabama in True Romance. It's the same person. She's like flirting with disaster. Like she had this lost highway, a whole other career almost of yeah. being like. The heartthrob, essentially. Um, she's an incredible, incredible actress. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went to see uh, Janet Jackson last week. Oh. Um, nice. <laughs> at some point, it hit me that I was like, this woman was Willis's boyfriend, or girlfriend, and Tupac's girlfriend, like, in the same life. And <laughs> in addition to being, you know, a fucking legend, right? Uh, and you know, like pop culture icon. It was like, what? Just what? A, what an interesting and very career Janet Jackson has had over, like, you know, basically being in the public eye since she was like six. Um, yeah, know, I mean, we are getting to the point, way. right, where people we've seen that entire process for are getting old, and it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Forty, she did a forty sunset, and I was like stunned 
than how many of those 40 songs like I could just still sing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Recommend Janet Jackson. She's coming to Utah. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> all right. I think that we covered everything. Um. No. No. What did we miss? Well, you forgot the same thing just now that you forgot before the show started when you were listing off <laughs> what we were going to talk about. <laughs> oh, reality. Yeah. In your defense, incredibly forgettable. <laughs> So I all right. Well, I'm curious because you knew very little about uh, the actual story here, right? Yeah, basically nothing. Uh, um, and I wouldn't say I know much more now, which is part of the frustration of this movie. Um, look, Sydney Sweeney's very good, but I don't think I doubted her ability as an actor. Um, no, I never. So. So, you know, that's not necessarily a revelation to me. Uh, and I have to say, I left this film experience with a lot of questions, both about what actually happened um, in its entirety with Reality Winner uh, in terms of her role as a whistleblower. And then also... Or just as like a person of conscience, right? You know what I mean? Right. It's, well, that's what I'm saying. It's unclear what... There's a lot that's unclear, okay? Um, it's incredibly uh, disturbing, some of the stuff that you do learn from this highly uninformative film. But for those who don't know, this is where we should probably add the context that this film's narrative takes place over the course of a total of, what, three hours? Um, as the FBI surprises Reality Winner and searches her house and interrogates her. Um so you don't actually see really any of the story of what happened to lead up to her arrest and, uh, you know, incarceration. Um, you don't see how she ended up in jail, staying in jail. You don't see what she did to incur the attention and wrath of the FBI and NSA. You don't get any context whatsoever. Um, you just get Sidney Sweeney doing a very good job of portraying this woman going through a very tough, a very tough few hours. Um, and then you watch actors struggle to take on the air of FBI agents whose behavior is erratic and bizarre and kind of makes no sense at times without coming off stiff and awkward because they were asked to read the transcript of the recording of this experience verbatim. So, I Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the big thing. The choice to sort of do this verite, as, I guess, as you will write, like, they're all literally just reading from this transcript. Um, and frankly, like, if you don't talk that way, it, the transcript is so specific... With the ums and ahs and inter like the whatever you call the like things that the vocal ticks that humans intersperse into their uh, ad libbed conversations, normal conversations. If you don't talk the way it's written, it just sounds stilted and weird, um, and like uncomfortable. And I don't doubt that there was a lot of discomfort with these FBI agents, and I don't doubt that they may have been awkward, but like it just doesn't really play. 
And so I, I, I have a lot of questions about why this was the choice, um, both to confine it to this storyline and to read it verbatim. Um, I can't say that either of those choices felt worthwhile or, you know, positive to me. I don't know if this originated as a stage plane, because if it does, it makes, that makes some sense to me. Uh, but I don't, I, I still think it, if you're going to make it into a film, um, you know, basically having these, it's basically two locations, right? There's her at the exterior of her house and yep, her, her, in the, <laughs> her in that room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, like I, I, I just, I don't know. I think there was a, a way to tell the story that would allow it to unspool in a way that was a little bit more revealing and maybe reflected a little bit better on everyone involved. I don't, I don't quite know. Um, right. And, and, and well, and, yeah, I mean, that's the other part of this is like, I really don't know what this film is trying to say at all. And it certainly feels like it's flailing at something, but I don't, yeah. I don't so know. reality is out. She's out now, or she's out next year. Is that right? Like, I'd love to actually hear her take on it. Yeah, great honest. question. I don't know the answer <laughs> to any of this stuff because the film was not interested in it. Um, yeah, and there weren't even like end of film postscripts to tell you, give you any context of, of the reality of it. I. It's so funny that her name is Reality. Um, by the way, what kind of sadist names their kid Reality if their last name is Winner? Winner, yeah, man, it is. It's it's a weird one. It's a weird one. Reality Lee winner. It's weird. Anyway, um, yeah, it sure feels like this poor woman just was surrounded by Trump acolytes in a job that made her super uncomfortable and came upon information that was directly relevant to the general American public and like tried to share it i don't totally yeah. understand the legality of that i don't i don't know when that is appropriate well, no, when it's, it's clearly not. illegal yeah, yeah i mean it's look there's you know it's i'm not illegal. saying it's not i'm saying i don't ex- understand exactly how that works um yeah. and clearly yeah, I mean, it it's... involves a clearance and violating your like yeah. obviously she agreed not to share stuff and she shared it but like Ironically, it's not that different from what Trump may be getting arrested for at some point. So that is, um, um, yeah. But again, like anything you and I know about this, we have read somewhere else and did not learn from this film for the most part, which is kind of frustrating. <laughs> yep. yep. It's not me, like it'd be one thing if this was if it was not illuminating about the facts, but you found this to be illuminating about the person. Um. But it's not really illuminating about the person either. You know what I mean? Like you learn a little bit about how she's like, you know, a fairly was a fairly impressive had a fairly impressive military background and had some code or sense of honor. So, but even that, like, it's is kind of vaguely drawn. You know no what context. I mean? So yeah, no context yeah. whatsoever. And and Sydney Sweeney certainly gives you a like emotional portrait of, of a particular woman, but there's no reason to believe or understand that that woman is necessarily who reality winner actually is. Yeah. <laughs> because we yeah. have no explanation of her background or what she's been through or where she comes from or what her opinions on things are. We have just what she said to FBI agents over the course of three hours. Yep. Yeah. It's a, uh, 
you know, I, I could see why Sydney Sweeney would be attracted to this role. I mean, there's a lot for her to do. She's in every scene. Um, and it's a very different role in terms of the character than I think maybe the type of people that she's been known for playing. Um, but I, you know, and I think she did a pretty good job, but I just don't know that there's enough of a successful movie around it. Agreed. You know, and and, and for, again, like, I didn't doubt her ability. And this is not like, you know, Charlize Theron and Monster or something. It's just an actor doing their job really well, which is great for her, but it's not a very good movie. Yeah. And maybe yeah. more to the point, it just there are movies that might not be great, but I at least like understand what they are and why they were made that way. I can't say that at all about this. Like not only did was it largely not particularly enjoyable or illuminating, I like can't understand why the choices that were made by the filmmakers were made. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but wasn't that long? That's one of the best things I could say about it. <laughs> True story. It was like 80 minutes, which is like a, a rare treat yeah. these days. Yep, they ended it quickly. So thank you for that, Riali. Uh, <laughs> um, I think you're right. I think I have been uh, maybe subliminally forgetting it um, yeah. over and over again because it, yeah. does, it does not leave much of an impression in your brain. No, it does not. And, and like, you know, someday when Sydney Sweeney like wins an Oscar in seven years or something, you're going to be like, man, remember her first like big movie was that reality thing. And we'll be like, what? And they'll be like, remember when she's just, she's getting interrogated the whole time. And we'll be like, Oh yeah, she did do that. Yeah. She was pretty good. At yeah. That. Or maybe we won't remember. <laughs> right. Or we'll be like, I've never heard of that in my life. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. We'll go. <laughs> um, all right, so homework-wise, we have, I think we have reached the uh, the season where things start to slow down. Um, yeah. Now that oh, we've I, hit summer know, and a brighter strike on the horizon. So. Yeah, we do have NBA Finals to discuss, so we can throw that on the fire. We do, and uh, speaking of Sydney Sweeney, one of the stars of Euphoria, there's a uh, Euphoria-related uh, series premiering on HBO uh, tonight. I mean, it's uh, just Sam it's Levinson, this. right? It's not like the Euphoria universe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just Sam Levinson. And it's, I don't know, feels, it feels like there may be some Euphoria vibes just in terms of the yeah. uh, rampant sexuality and uh, uh, music video sort of tropes of the, the idol is the name of the show that we're going to watch. Yes. Um, and uh, there have been some, I'd say, some unfavorable reviews, but I feel like uh, with Levinson stuff, you know what I mean? Like he's, it's not for everybody. So I'm it's not to be expected. I, and, and I would argue that the views reviews I've seen have been more angry than negative, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I can find that too. Which is kind of the <laughs> Sam Levinson thing, right? It either pisses you yeah. off or you're like, that's pretty awesome. Um, cause it looks great and the acting is usually really good. It's just like, some people are disgusted by it, and frankly, I'm not going to blame them for that. I get it, but I tend to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm ready to be provoked. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it starts the weekend. He's um, not going by the weekend anymore, right? He's using his real name. Um, yes. And uh, and Johnny Depp's daughter, Lily Rose Depp. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how all that goes. Um 
What else are we doing? <laughs> Hold on. I, I, I lost my notes in front of me. Um, vamp for me. Hold on. Oh, I could vamp for you. I sadly... Oh! I, got it. Go ahead. I got it. I was going to say, sadly, I can't remember the thing we talked about an hour and 15 minutes ago before this began. Uh, <laughs> it was American Gladiators. 30 oh, for 30. yes, the doc. That's we're gonna watch. Yes. So 30 for 30. I'm very excited to watch this. Uh, yeah, American Gladiators. So I've seen a good chunk of this. I happened to just run across it uh, on ESPN last week, uh, and I got stuck in. It is the story of American Gladiators. Uh, uh, it's more interesting than you thought. I'll put it that way. Yeah, um, all right. Sounds good. So, you know, enough to make a two-part ESPN 30 for 30, just to give you an idea. Um, I'm into it. And then the other show uh, we're going to watch uh, is on HBO. It's called 100 Foot Wave. Um, and it's about a guy who is found in attempting to conquer 100 foot waves. Um, and it's been out for a little bit, um, but I've heard good things. So we're going to check that out this week as well. All right. Yeah, I mean, if if it's slow times for new stuff, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be sketching the past a bit more. And of course, we have the finale of Top Chef. All right. Of course, that as well. Yeah. And, and the NBA uh, Finals. Which yeah, and, you know, we'll not, be a new Challenge World uh, competition getting started before we know it as well. So yeah, it's not story. gonna be a barren summer. You know what I mean? True story. All right. I'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Sounds good. Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.